So today we're continuing our teaching series that we've been in for a few weeks called Eras, where we're looking at different stages and seasons of life and trying to see the grace of God given to us in the various stages and seasons or eras of life. And the the big idea is really this. What we want to put into the heart of every person who's here over the next few weeks is this truth, that God is faithful and God is good in every season, in every era. No matter what stage of life you find yourself in, the goodness of God and the grace of God is there for you as a gift. It looks different in different seasons and eras, but nonetheless, God is good and God is faithful in every era. And there's one scripture that that sits at the center of this ongoing conversation that I would love for us to have memorized by the time this series is over. And it comes to us from the Psalms. And if you would, would would you read this with me out loud? Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. One of the other goals of this series is to create some empathy between the different stages or eras of life and to illustrate some of the tension that does exist between the different stages. And today we're going to be talking a lot about work. We're going to be talking about that season of life where you are working hard to to build up your life, to to make a name for yourself. And, And we do see that there are different philosophies and different opinions and attitudes about work between different generations. And again, we see this played out in the memes that we share online. And so I, I want to I just illustrate this by showing you some of my favorite memes that I've seen recently. And these relate to how, how generations perceive each other's attitude towards work. And the first speaks to the fact that the younger generation, Gen Z and younger millennials, are accused of being too soft when it comes to the pressures of work. And so they share this one quite a bit. This is me leaving everything until the last minute because I can only work when I'm fueled by immense panic and overwhelming stress. Now, on the contrary, the younger generation accuses the older generation, Gen X and boomers, of having had it easier when they were younger, and so we like to share memes like these. So you think millennials are lazy. Tell me about how you got a house by working 35 hours a week on a minimum wage job in the 70s. I'm not saying it's true, I'm just saying it's funny. <laughs> and then this, this is a snapshot of a conversation between a boss and his, his Gen Z employee. Here's what went down. Boss says, why weren't you at work this morning? I had an argument with my girlfriend last night. What's that got to do with your job at this company? I needed time to heal. Well, now you need a new job. <laughs> and this one is my favorite. It's actually a video that I saw on TikTok. Uh, the... The caption is how a Gen Z worker reacts when they have to work a full day for the first time. Take a look. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. (laughs) I'm retiring for good. That's so good. Today, what we're talking about is the striving era of life. That season of life where you are trying to build up your identity through the work that you do and the things that you accomplish. You're trying to make a name for yourself largely through the work that you do, the career that you're able to build, whatever that looks like for you. And if you find yourself working ungodly hours and justifying it by the fact that you're trying to build a career and make a name for yourself, 
Or if you find yourself constantly comparing yourself to people from high school or college and their career accomplishments, if you are relentlessly trying to curate the perfect home and have the kids just so and have a certain amount of money in the bank account in order for you to feel safe and secure, if you are constantly trying to find the next opportunity, the higher rung on the ladder, if you're telling your spouse, well, once I close this deal or the company gets sold or once we're able to have maybe four or five bedrooms, then we'll slow down. If any of those things are remotely true for you, then you might just be in the striving era of your life where it's all about building and growing and making a name for yourself. Do you know anybody who's in this era of life? Does any of that hit home for you? Now, whether you're in this era or not, one of the things that we all need to be aware of is that while every generation goes through this era of striving, that the, the generation that's in it right now, which is typically the, the late Gen Z and the, the, the early millennials, the young millennials rather, uh, they are, according to the data, struggling. And it makes sense. The, the late Gen Z and the young millennials, they, they, were told, they were told that they could become anything when they grew up. They were told that if they work hard, they could achieve all of their dreams. And a lot of them were told in explicit and implicit ways that having a career that is enviable, building a lifestyle that is clickable and people get jealous of, is a way to attain some severe satisfaction in this life. And so they've chased after it. And if you look at surveys of Gen Z and millennials, it bears out. They, they believe this. A recent survey from Axios says that 50% of Gen Z and millennials believe that having a successful career is key to their personal fulfillment and that the best job is the highest paying job because a high paying job equals personal satisfaction. Now, you add into the fact that those who are in this generation entered the workforce over the last 15 years, a time of great cultural change and economic change, and it's a recipe for some frustration. It is arguably more difficult for this current generation of strivers to achieve traditional success than those who came before them. Which reminds me of another meme that I saw that I, I want to share with you. This one is funny. It, it goes like this. When you get a 3% raise, but inflation is 5.6%. <laughs> Can you see the recipe for frustration? Now, if you are in this stage of life, if you are a striver trying to build your life, the, the first thing that I invite you to do this morning is to make an admission to admit that there is some anxiety, to admit that there is some frustration and there is some fear, but, but also to go, go, go a little further and admit that the reason perhaps there is so much anxiety and frustration and fear around this idea of building up your life, the reason there's so much existential pressure on you is because you have been using the building of a career and the forging of your own name as a means to pursue deep things deep meaning, deep peace, lasting fulfillment. And nobody blames you for that. We're all guilty of telling you to do that. But what you are finding in your anxiety and your frustration is that you are being confronted with this truth. The peace and the wholeness that you are seeking after cannot be won through work. You can get it for a moment. 
You can have a sense of wholeness that is fleeting, but in the end, the only thing that will last is fatigue. If you believe that you can make yourself whole and good and complete and deeply satisfied through work, the only thing you will end up is tired. And some of y'all are tired. Some of you are sleeping right now. And if that's where you are, if you are striving and struggling, then I just want to give these words of Jesus to you, these comforting words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who strive, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my expectations upon you, and learn from me, from I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke, my burden is easy. My burden is light. The invitation to weary strivers is to come to Jesus and see that his expectation hits different, as the kids say. Now, if you come to Jesus in your weariness, as you try to build this life, what will you find from Jesus? And this might surprise you. What you'll find is that Jesus wants for your life the same thing that you're trying to get for your life. You want joy, and, and you, want, you want fruitfulness. You want to be successful and you want to see something flowing from the, the work that you're doing and the life that you're living. And I'll tell you what, Jesus wants the exact same thing for you. He wants joy, he wants fruitfulness, and he wants deep satisfaction. If you don't believe me, look at John chapter 15 again. Look at these words of Jesus. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, so that's the context. Jesus is talking about being fruitful. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you be fruitful unless you abide in me. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus' aim is for you to have a joyful, fruitful existence. Only, only Jesus has a different path to get there. You want the same things, but Jesus has a different path to get there. And you will not find satisfaction, you will not find joy at the end of a Gantt chart. You will not find it at the top of a ladder that you're desperately trying to climb. You will not find it in the fifth bedroom that you're hoping to have. You will not find it at the end of your striving. Jesus says... The joy you seek and the satisfaction that you're hungry for is found in him. Now remember who Jesus is. Jesus is everything that you wish you could be but you can't be. Jesus in his humanity is perfection. Jesus in his sonship, he is the son of the father, he is, he is utter acceptance and affirmation. Jesus, as, as the Savior, through his death and resurrection, he is the Prince of Peace, meaning he rights all the wrongs. Everything is good in and through him. There is shalom. That's the Hebrew word for peace. Jesus is perfect, accepted, and peace is in him and through him. And that is what you desperately want. But, but, but having those things is impossible through your own effort and your own two hands. But Jesus promises that those who come to him with empty hands, knowing that they can't produce what he has, he gives to them for free. He says you can't, you can't make it on your own, 
But if you rest in him, he will give it to you and let it flow in you and through you. What is the word that Jesus uses? It's a word you and I don't use in everyday language. He uses the word abide, abide in me. Another way to translate that is to dwell. Another way to say it is to remain connected to or dependent upon. Jesus is saying, if you remain dependent upon me in your weakness, in your emptiness, I will offer my fullness and I will give it to you. And I will give to you. You will discover the joy and the satisfaction that you're striving for. That's the promise of Jesus. Remain dependent upon me even in all of your working for yourself. Now, if, if you're here and you're anything like me, if you're if you a hyper type A person, uh, if, you are, uh, if you know the Enneagram, if you're an Enneagram 3, or if you're just a person who is always keeping score and wants to succeed, as many strivers are, the first thought that's going through your mind right now as I say all that is this. Okay, the joy and the satisfaction that I want is available to me through Jesus. It comes as a gift from him. I have to rest in him. I need to abide in him. Here's my question, Pastor Matt. How can I abide better than anybody else has ever abided? <laughs> how, how can... How can I make space for dwelling with him in my really busy schedule? Can I put abide with Jesus on my, on my vision board? Can I hire a life coach to help me remain in him better than anyone else has ever remained in him? No, you can't. You cannot put abiding with Jesus on the long list of things you want to crush and conquer and hustle in. It doesn't work that way. We abide not in accomplishing but we abide in weakness. So my, my best advice for you, if you want to abide in Jesus and receive from him the things you're striving for but can never attain with your own efforts, if you want to abide with Jesus, I, I, would, say, I would say this, be mindful of where you run when you are running on empty. Maybe that's the best advice I can give you since, since we abide with Jesus best and most in our weakness. Be mindful of where you run when you're running on empty because in the season of striving, you will hit rock bottom at some point. You will be stressed out, maxed out, anxious, depleted. You, you, you will be at your wit's end. And be mindful of where you run when after all your striving is done, you're empty. Typically, we will run to, to three types of places. We will run to things that can numb us, to people who can affirm us, and to activities that distract us. But none of those things is ultimately good for us. Where do you run when you're on empty? Do you run to be numb? I don't want to feel bad feelings about the life that I'm living, and so I'm going to go get high in the garage or pour myself an extra tall glass of wine. Or... I feel kind of like a failure, and so I'm going I'm to gravitate towards the people, who, the people who tell me I'm awesome and tell me what I want to hear. I'm, I'm hungry for some affirmation. And sometimes the people who tell you what you want to hear don't always have the best interest in mind for you. You know that, right? Or I, I just don't want to think about how the, the, the life that I'm living at great cost to myself and others isn't really satisfying my soul. So rather than think about that and jump into the void that is my heart, uh, I'm going to grab my device and just scroll, scroll, scroll and ignore my soul, soul, soul. That, that's what we tend to do. But you, person of faith, in your emptiness, in your weakness, you are invited to do something else. 
You, you are invited not to, not to create an addiction by trying to numb yourself, not to, not to invite an affair by trying to affirm yourself, not by being a person of avoidance by distracting yourself, but you are invited to be the kind of person who when you run on empty, you run to Jesus. Now, now what... Sure, yeah, I'm all about that. Now, 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 like, that's easy for me to say, but, like, what does that mean? Really practically, what does that mean, oh, striver who's depleted? What it means when you're empty to run to Jesus rather than these other things is you, you cry out to him in prayer, even if your prayer doesn't make any sense. And you say, I can't, I won't, I'm empty, I'm done. That's what you do. You, you crawl your way to church where God's gifts are, and, and you make your way to church, and you let him feed you and sustain you. You get here any way you can. You reach out to God's people who can remind you of who you are and whose you are. And in those moments, God promises to meet you in your emptiness. He promises to give mercy and grace and forgiveness to you. And let me tell you, the transformative power that you are so desperately seeking is not found at the end of your accomplishments. It is found in your moment of weakness at your lowest when you are empty and the God of the universe finds you there and tells you you, that he accepts you and he loves you and he wants you anyway. That is the power, the foundation for lasting joy and incredible peace and fruitfulness in the things that matter is utter acceptance at times of emptiness. And that's what Jesus Christ gives to you. Now, if, if, if you have someone in your life who is in the striving season of life, maybe you're married to someone who's just like trying desperately to build a name for themselves and crush their career. You've got a son or daughter who's working 80 hours a week or, or you've got a best friend who has lost sight of who they are because they, they, are, they are drunk on their career. If you are loving someone who is in the striving season of their life and maybe they're hitting it a little too hard, I just want to recognize that it is hard to love people who are in this season. Because people who are in this season, they lose sight of the things and the people that matter most, and they assume everybody else cares about their goals as much as they do. It's hard to love these people, but, but understand that, that there are certain gifts from God that the people who are striving need from you that only you can give. If you're the spouse, if you're the son or daughter, if you're the best friend, if you're the mom or dad, there are certain gifts that can only come from you who know them best and love them most. And what they need from you, this will sound trite, but it is true, what they need from you is they need tough truth and great grace. Specifically, what, what a striver needs from you is the tough truth that, that when they are diving into, the, into building this life for themselves and accomplishing things, that they may be losing sight of the people that matter most. And they need you to reach out and say, hey, we're all about you getting a raise, but do not leave us behind. They need you to say that. Or they need you to speak up and say, look, you're doing great. We know that there's a reason for you working so hard and diving in so deep, but I also know the kind of person you are and the values we share, and you are losing sight of those things, so it's time to come on home. They need someone who can speak that truth to them. They need someone who can remind them that the greatest risk in a season of striving is not failing, but succeeding at things that don't matter. 
They, they need to know. And this is a truth that, that, that only you can tell them. That in the pursuit of becoming great, they run the risk of being very small and missing out on the things that truly matter. They need that truth from you. And then, having been given that truth, they need the grace from you that looks a lot like what Jesus gives. They need you when they're at empty, when they're at wit's end, when they've offended you, sinned against you, harmed you, whatever it is, when they've done the terrible thing because they've been so locked with tunnel vision on building their life and being, being a successful person, when, when, when their life is filled with casualties from that from those choices, what they need is you to look at them after having told them tough truth and they need you to look at them and say, I, I love you, I choose you, I want you, I respect you anyway. And that is the power that changes people. Grace and truth. I'll close with this image. It was once said to me that, that life as a human being is a, lot like, is a lot like trying to go up a down escalator. Imagine that as human beings, we're all stuck in the basement and we're all trying to get up to the next level. But the only set of stairs in this basement is an escalator going down. Now, for those of you who tried it, you know, can you, can you go up a down escalator? You can, but, but you gotta hustle, right? You gotta work hard, you gotta double time it. You can go up to the next level when the escalator's going down, but you gotta work really hard. And if you stop for a second, if you rest for a second, it will take you all the way back down to the floor. So you gotta keep going with your foot on the gas if you're gonna get up to the top. You see, life is like that. We're, we're constantly being pulled down. There's always someone competing against us. There, there are unfair, unjust realities around us. There is, there is death and decay and the second law of thermodynamics, the unavoidable reality of entropy all around us. Things are going to pull against us. And yet when you are in the striving season of your life, you are hustling hard. You are trying hard to go up that down escalator. And good for you. But, but understand that as you try to go up that escalator, understand that above all, you are loved by a God. You are loved by a God who has gone down to the bottom for you, who has conquered it all and risen to the heights and now will carry you up to places that you cannot, cannot climb on your own. And in your seasons of striving, when you are tired, when you are empty, where are you going to run? Don't run back to those stairs. You'll end up back at the bottom. When you are empty, run to the one, run to the one who can give you the wholeness that you desperately crave, but that you cannot earn by striving. You can only receive it by abiding and resting and dwelling in him. Amen.